All right, everybody. Hey, this is the service that we post the message online. So I want us to do something. Can we welcome all those who will be hearing this online this week? Can we just celebrate them tuning in? Hey, we're glad that you're listening. Glad that you're jumping in to the message today. Maybe your first time and I'm just personally so excited that you're here. We um, typically preach on a Sunday, either myself or one of our preaching communicators, we will um, preach in series. And um, what those are, are those different themes, different scriptures um, that either Jesus or some of the, the um, biblical writers said and wrote. And so we'll lean in heavily to heavily, excuse me, towards uh, those. And right now, heading into Easter, we're in a series on the Lord's Prayer and its significance in our lives. And today, I will be um, continuing that series, but I typically like to start off with something funny. Now, here's the catch. It's always funny to me. I'm praying it's funny to you, so I'll let that stand. All right, so a doctor, a lawyer, a little boy, and a priest were out for a Sunday afternoon flight on a small private plane. Come on, somebody. Suddenly, the plane developed engine trouble. In spite of the pilot's best efforts, the plane started to go down. Finally, the pilot grabbed a parachute, yelled to the passengers that they better jump, and he himself bailed out. Unfortunately, there were only three parachutes remaining, and there were four passengers. The doctor grabbed one and said, I'm a doctor. I saved lives, so I must live. And he jumped out. The lawyer then said, I'm a lawyer, and lawyers are the smartest people in the world. I deserve to live. He also grabbed a parachute and jumped. The priest looked at the little boy and said, my son, I've lived a long and full life. You are young and have your whole life ahead of you. Take the last parachute and go in peace. The little boy handed the parachute back to the priest and said, not to worry, Father. The smartest man in the world just took off with my backpack. (laughs) All right, come on. Ready to preach, everybody. You ready? All right. Hey, stick around the beginning of second service message. I'll share it again and we'll see. Maybe, maybe... Maybe it'll land for you then. No. The Lord's Prayer. Listen, I want to, can we, can we do a little history? I want to go back about 1,700 years. And one of the early church fathers, a man by a name we really don't use. I don't recommend you naming any of your children or grandchildren this name. You're welcome to name one of your pets, if I can say that. His name is Tertullian. He is known as one of the earliest church fathers in the faith. He was an early pastor, so he was, he was kind of a grandchild or great-grandchild disciple of the Lord Jesus. So he's a few centuries on, and he says this. He's quoted in a great book called Lord Teach Us to Pray. And he says this about the Lord's Prayer. I just want to share this, and, and maybe it can get in your system. He says, the Lord's Prayer is as differentiated in meaning as it is compressed in words. It's a short prayer, but it's wide in its scope of meaning. And he says, For it has embraced not only the special duties of prayer, be it veneration or worship of God or petition for man, but almost every discourse 
which is every sermon of the Lord, every record of his disciplines, how he treated others and how he was treated, is comprised in the Lord's Prayer. Tertullian would say, in a nutshell, the entire gospel is found in the Lord's Prayer. And I believe if we're patient enough, if we're mindful enough, and if we're prayerful enough, you'll begin to see this surface as you are formed by the Lord's Prayer. If you're new to Hillside, my idea and hope for this series, shock, is that you would actually pray this prayer daily, sometimes multiple times a day. I believe it's that important. In fact, we can go back from Tertullian another 200 years, and in church history and in the church records, it would say that when somebody had put their faith in Christ and had begun to participate in worship, attending a church, and beginning to surrender and submit their life to Christ, there were two things that they were asked to study and memorize. One is called the Apostles' Creed, and I'm bringing it up because you know what the second was, the Lord's Prayer. And not just study, but begin to implement in one's daily life. I practice and pray the Lord's Prayer. Is it the only prayer I pray? Absolutely not. But it is one that has rooted my faith time and time and time again. When life is getting complex, when ministry can get complex, I love the simplicity of the prayer that God himself gave us to pray. Let me remind you, as I have each Sunday, this prayer is generated in the Gospels from disciples who were closely watching Jesus, who knew how to pray, and yet they saw something dramatically different in the life of Jesus. And so on one account in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it shares this account of how one disciple walked up to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And guess what? He did. And he gave them the Lord's prayer. Why don't we say it or pray it together? Can we do that? Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Pray the Lord's Prayer. This is week three. We're going to look at line three. Intercessory prayer or bringing our needs to the Lord. The line is, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. You know, when I think of daily bread, I also like to think of our daily needs. In fact, I would say this, that daily bread is addressing 
the concerns every follower of Jesus and every person on the face of this planet has for their daily needs. And in Christianity, we have a source for our daily needs. Our Father in heaven, whom Jesus taught on and taught about every day of his earthly ministry from year 30 to 33. He would share sermons revealing the nature of his heavenly Father. Daily bread is nothing new for Jesus. Daily bread would come up in the First Testament or the Old Testament about the story of God and his people. You may be very familiar with the story or you may be vaguely familiar with the story. Either way, let me bring us up to speed. Israel had been growing as a nation, but they were living in captivity. What started with Joseph becoming the Pharaoh of Egypt's right-hand man, his prime minister, over the generations, 400 years in fact, had led to the Israelites outpopulating the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were a little concerned, or a lot of concerned, so they made all of the Israelites their slaves. But God was up to something in the midst of the Israelites. There had been a promise, a covenant made with this people of God that a deliverer would be raised up. And we know his name as Moses. Moses, who actually, funnily enough, of all things, he grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He grew up accustomed with all the rituals and laws and regulations of the Egyptian people. And he was close. He was raised as one of their own sons. And yet he knew who and where his true identity came from. God developed within him, transformed his life to be a leader. And God encouraged him, commanded him to go and deliver these people. And so Moses went, you know this story, with Aaron and others. And they led the people, after the dramatic plagues, out of Egypt. And where were they headed, everybody? To the promised land. In the wilderness, though, there was a space between slavery and the promise. And it was a vulnerable dare I say, tender part of their journey. And they're hungry. They're a little dramatic. And God gives them the snicker bar that they need. <laughs> In a disgruntled state, which is why I like to think they were recording the quotes from the men. I think the ladies were far more calm. I think the men were like, we're hangry and we need some food. So God said, I'll come to you. I will provide your daily bread. It's called manna. And then not only that, God would go even above and beyond that in providing quail for them to eat. This comes to us, you can read it in Exodus 16, verses 4 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for what? that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days because of the Sabbath, which they were to rest on the seventh day. It's a simple verse, yet it's quite profound. God instructs them 
not to store up earth, earthly treasures, to control and forecast and determine the days of their life on earth. He invites them into a relationship. That is why a religion can oftentimes break down because it comes with a false expectation. But a relationship where we are listening and hearing from our Father and obeying His words is the beautiful cycle that Jesus has invited us into and what He calls the abundant life. And so often our prayer is, God, a million dollars would be great, and God's like, 500 will get you through today. God, this may be awesome. God's like, I know, hold on, there's enough for today. The heart of our Lord is to lead us with trust. We firmly believe here at Hillside, the scriptures where in the New Testament, it talks of the people of God, they're called to walk by faith. Faith. It is a substance. Now, I'll agree with you, you can't always see it. But it's the substance. And just because you can't see it, make no mistake about it. It is real and it is active and alive in your life. And faith is practiced in the daily bread trust of God. He is such a good, good heavenly father. He loves to meet our daily needs. He just does. Now, he may not come alongside you with the next decade of daily needs. No, because how many of you know our human nature will become fixated on the supply and lose sight of the supplier? That's why money is neutral. You know this. Money's neutral. We bring a spirit to it. Spirit of mammon, which is an Old Testament God. Spirit of mammon. Anxiety, tension, nervousness, it's that striving. It's a way of living, yielded to mammon. Money's neutral. We can either bring mammon or we can bring the Holy Spirit, that spirit that says, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I honor you. Amen, somebody? With my giving, with my generosity. I'm not going to have anxiety, fearful, mammon mindset. I'm going to have open, generous, faith-filled Holy Ghost, daily bread mindset. It's remarkable. Jesus echoes the sentiment and the relationship that he had with his heavenly Father. Point in case. You remember, Jesus is teaching the thousands upon thousands upon thousands, right? And he's preaching really good, guys. So much so that they keep sticking around. And they're hanging out now for about 48 hours. And the disciples are getting nervous because the disciples are like, look, we're hangry. And if we're hangry, we know the crowds are hangry. Well, what are we going to do? And the disciples are like, mm, we, got, we don't got a clue. And a young boy with some good old childlike faith steps forward and says, what? Hey, I got two fish. I got five loaves. Think we can make something happen? And Jesus says, no. It's not enough. Don't you see? We got thousands upon thousands. One won't work. How stupid. Who let you 
even be in my presence. No, Jesus didn't respond like that at all. He said, bingo, this is exactly what we need. Your faith is fueling the miracle that's about to happen. So he gave thanks. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this daily bread. I bless you and I give thanks for it, Lord. Amen. And then he filled the basket fills. And the disciples experienced the multiplication, miracle, working power of God. It ain't easy. Don't look at me like I got to figure it out and it's easy for me. I live in that tension of daily bread. Because I'm much more comfortable with what American culture can say and predict and forecast. Although you know like me. Money isn't always predictable, is it, somebody? If you're paying attention this past week, S-V-B, oh me, oh my. Money, mammon, is an idol. God invites us. You don't have to live under the yoke of an idol. You can live yielded and submitted to my ways. God, give us today our daily bread. This prayer, this direction, hear me loud and clear. This is a statement towards the chronic anxiety that every one of us experiences from time to time. Chronic anxiety is one anxiety. It's different from others. But chronic anxiety is one anxiety that we can actually be empowered to manage. Some anxiety, it's unmanageable. You need help. We promote getting help. In no way am I discounting. But chronic anxiety is different. It is unique in that it is still at the stage of controllability by the human, by the participant. Chronic anxiety happens in four ways. I get these four ways from Steve Cuss. He's a pastor, a leader. Wrote a great book, has a great ministry, Managing Leadership Anxiety. And he talks about the four spaces of chronic anxiety. First space is the space inside me. This is my anxiety. Second space is the space between people. This may be you and some others or you and a group of others. It's that anxiety, it's that relational tension. Y'all haven't experienced it. Only 11 a.m. experiences that. But stay with me. And then there's an anxiety. It's the space between me and God. It's the days, the weeks, the months, the seasons I lose sight of God's presence. Or my lack of spiritual disciplines catch up to me because I haven't been practicing the presence of God. I've experienced that. And then the fourth space is this space that's inside others. It actually has nothing to do with you. It's the family gathering where they're all anxious. But it's coming. It's trying to get on you. And you're like, stay away. I'm going to get a hotel, okay? You got the space inside me, space between people, space between me and God, space inside others. This prayer has helped me with number one, space inside me. Daily bread is a lifeline to the provision and the supernatural power of God. I know what it's like to feel that anxiety. And if I'm not careful, I can only speak about me. I can't speak about you on this. But I found that this space inside me can spread to what I call fear-based action 
steps. These are about me, not about you. Space inside me, and here's a few ways. It starts reaching for control. It's like, mm, maybe I can control some people. <laughs> maybe I can control some relationships. Maybe I can control my spouse. Maybe I can control my kids. Maybe I can control, and you fill in the blank. Operating with a wall of pride. I've been there. Living from fear, right? Sometimes your most proud, arrogant, pompous people inside have got the most fear going on because of anxiety, desperation, wounds and hurts from the past, right? Operating with a wall of pride. Been there. Idolizing money. Lord, have I been there? Forgetting the supplier idolizing the supply somebody again these probably don't resonate at all with you because i'm just talking about me space inside me fear-based action step look at the number four seeking fulfillment in pleasure by god's grace i've not experienced number five but i've met most of society or many in society who have pursuing numbing agents alcohol drugs etc i said space inside me. It's real. Like, we could come in today, wear some masks, fake it till we make it, and leave this place, and we wouldn't think any different. I get that. But it's a real reality, the anxiety you carry in your bones. Depending on your family origin, your family gave you some tools to handle anxiety. You didn't get that yell from nowhere. Yeah, you're right. That was too close for comfort. You didn't, you know, you, know you, you didn't get that habit out of nowhere. Daddy or mommy or the lack thereof trains you in how you handle anxiety. We've got to deal with those habits and bring them before the Lord. And here's what you need to know about your Lord. He sees you. He loves you in this leg of the journey. And a one-inch step of beginning to say the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis, here's what begins to happen. It begins to form you slowly but surely. God is faithful. No word returns void. No prayer is void of transformational qualities. This prayer, I like to say it in, 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 in closing, it leads us to what I call faith-based action steps. So you saw me on my worst day. Now you're going to see me on my best day. Here are these Space inside me. And here's how it can spread to what I call faith-based action steps. Because that's where we want to be. Walking by faith, not by sight. Or I say not limited by sight, somebody. Here's a little vision for you. Walking in freedom. Ooh, that's nice. Clothed in humility. Oh, that's nice. Generous with tithes and offerings. Oh, that's nice. Self-what? Ooh, control. Did you know that's possible? Praise Jesus. Eager to do good and live with what? Righteous pursuits. Oh, man. You say you're getting all out of the prayer? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All out of that prayer. This prayer is a rebellion against the spirit of the age. Against the legitimate antichrist. Not a person. It's a spirit. It's not, Antichrist not even mentioned in Revelation. That's for a different time, different, you can study that on your own time. But in 
John, it comes up. Not the gospel, but in the Johannine literature, it talks of the spirit of Antichrist that denies Christ came in the flesh, that denies the power of God, the goodness of the Holy Spirit, and a living, active relationship with God. This prayer is anti the Antichrist. It is to come up under the good leadership, the goodness and kindness of the living God. To say this boldly, it's a rebellion against the spirit of the age. And because you haven't got up and left yet, I'm going to end with three thoughts. The rebellious and bold, courageous prayer. Give us today our daily bread. First, it's a rebellion against self-reliance. It's a rebellion against self-reliance. Like I like to say at Hillside, there is one codependent relationship we promote. God and you is vertical. Like that's it. Only be codependent upon God. Rebellion from self-reliance. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This may be some of your life verse. What does it say? Trust in who? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Pastor, can you sum up discipleship in a phrase? Yeah, trust in the Lord. Discipleship is pretty much dealing with all the reasons, all the excuses, all the issues I got going on that are an obstacle to trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. When we trust in the Lord... With all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding in all your ways. What? Submit to who? Him. And what does he do? What does God promise? When you're following God's ways, sorry about the many explosions. Let me take that. That's for effect, okay? It's pre-planned. What happens when we trust in the Lord and submit? What does he do? He makes our paths what? Straight. Straight. Chances are there's some paths you're wanting straight. But you've been doing it in your own strength, according to your own intellect, according to your own ways. Lord knows I've done it. I've tried. And my paths do not remain straight for very long. They got all windy and confusing. and It's like a maze that won't let up. But when I get in alignment with the Lord, when I begin to rely on Him, trust Him, go all in with Him, here's a beautiful thing, somebody. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Just means it'll be straight before me. Some of the most hardest and difficult decisions in life, they ain't easy. But you submit to the Lord's ways, your paths become straight. If you have no vision before you, vision in your finances, vision in your friendships, vision in your relationships, vision in your future at all, I've been there. If you've got none of it and you're desperate, I plead with you. We pray for you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Him with everything you're like. I don't know how to parent. Trust in the Lord. Man, I can't figure out. I, I can't figure out how to make a friend for nothing. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Give me God. Give me God. Give me God today, my daily bread. Beautiful picture of what God can do. Beautiful picture. He gives us this prayer as a gift because it's like the kingdom of God. A little seed that gets planted and over time, I'm telling you, begin to branch out and influence all your ways. All your days can be marked by the kindness 
in the goodness of God. So this prayer, it's, it's bold because come on, if you're, if you're anything like society says, man, society's got some good self-help out there. And I love to dabble in it. But eventually it breaks down <laughs> because our own strength breaks down. We're called to be codependent, all in, leaning on the Lord, leaning on Him, seeing what He can do. Not limited by what we can see, but relying on Him. Not a self-built, self-reliant, but a God-built, God-reliant. So it's a rebellion from self-reliance. It's also rebelling from tomorrow's worries. I'm usually anxious about nothing today. It's about tomorrow. Or next month. Or the month after that. Anxiety is to... Envision our future without God in it. It's to envision a God that has abandoned us, forsaken us, confused by us. Here's the good deal. Listen, can I put your hearts at rest? God knew what he was getting into when you signed up to follow him. You know, the rest of us didn't, but God knew, okay? No, I'm kidding. God knows who you are. Like all, all that you bring to the table, he's not, he's not confused, he's not surprised by it. And he speaks to our trouble, to our anxious hearts. And to pray this prayer is to, to be a, a rebel against the spirit of the age. That says, store up, store up, store up. Me first. Me first. Us first. Us first. Store up, store up. Earthly treasure, earthly treasure. And like you got to have good systems. you got to honor God. Wise stewardship. All of that. But at the end of the day, we've got to trust God with our tomorrows. And I know, I know the phrase, right? Have you heard someone say or seen it online? Somebody says, man, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm glad I know who holds tomorrow. Not just as a catchy phrase, but as a root system for our lives. Like I remember a particular desperate time in my life, um, 2015, so we're going on about eight years now. There were three months. I really, if I can just be authentic and transparent with you, I was really having a hard time seeing what the future held for me. Like a really hard time. And I am a glass isn't half full. It's overflowing. And it's bubbling over onto everybody else. Like spring forward, y'all, it's my favorite Sunday. I'm a morning person. And I apologize before I'm like... Heck yeah, we're going to start this day even earlier. Let's go. That's why I'm married to a fall back uh, lady who's like, come on, extra hour sleep, somebody in Jesus' name. <laughs> See, God can do more with more. Okay. Anyhow, so I was anxious. There were no jokes at the beginning of my message. Eeyore was my favorite character when I would watch Winnie the Pooh with my girls. Anxiety was ridden throughout my body. I would wake up before Sundays at 2 a.m. just in a panic, in a cold sweat, anxious, not able to sleep. One particular week in 2015, cumulatively had 15 hours of sleep. It was not a pretty sight. Nobody knew it on a Sunday except my wife and a couple close friends and pastors in my life. And I thank God for having the right people in your life, somebody. But I was anxious. Really anxious. 
And I'd never cried so many tears. Not the good kind of tears. Like Friday, I saw Jesus' revolution. Y'all, I was like snotty crying, bowing over. It was a good kind of tears. <laughs> but eight years ago, were not the good kind of tears. And man, I really, I really wasn't sure it worked out. It, 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 I, I, my wife was, she was like, whoa, man, I've not seen this side of you. I'm like, I, I've not seen this side of me either. One of, not the only, but one of, and I should say, the greatest gift God gave me was he came alongside me. You know when God gets that close. He came alongside me. And he said, Paul, I'm your daily bread. I'm going to be your daily bread. You can't see it right now, but let's take care of today. Let's just, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. I want to let you know I'm holding you. And I'm going to carry you through. Let's just deal with today. Like we're wanting next week. We're wanting six months. We're wanting 10 years. We're wanting 25 years. All that's coming, baby. But all I've asked you to do, to deal with the day. It was very humbling. It was very powerful for my life. Is that I would come before the Lord. I would worship with him. I would spend time in his presence. And in turn, it would settle my nerves. But one of the critical things he had to teach me is, Paul, it's hard to trust me with tomorrow if you're not trusting me with the day. So now I've been able to build up my faith, man. Now I've been able to build up my strength so that I can come alongside other people and preach to them. And, and not, not preach at them, preach to them. Come alongside with them and let them know, listen, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know you're struggling to see, but I have... A God who is faithful, one that you can trust in. And I may be ahead of the journey a little bit for some of you, but I'm going to recommend you go all in, like all in, like all in. Not a little Christianity added to the journey of life. No, go all in. Get plugged into a local church. Get connected in a small group. Start serving. Start giving your all to the Lord. Trusting him in all your ways. And letting him, I promise, over time, he will begin to settle the nerves and anxiety. And I got to be honest. I knew how to pray. I was praying in the spirit. I felt like I was calling down every demon I ever knew. Making up demons. I don't know. I was just praying the paint off the wall. And I was anxious as all get out. I was living a sham, trying to be some other preacher, prayer. God just wanted my heart. He wanted to settle me in. He said, Paul, take the facades off. Be who you're called to be. Rest in who I am for you. Change the game of life. Change the game. Change that season. I'd like to say, you know, one day I prayed and everything changed. No. <laughs> Got on my knees daily. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Week turned to a month. Month turned to six months. Six months turned to a year. Eight years down the line. God has been so faithful to strengthen and uphold. And I know he can do it in and through you. But it's a rebellion against the spirit of the age. Remember the father of the lies. He's using the culture, the spirit of the age to confuse believers. And to subtly come alongside and say, no, 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 no. This is the way to live. 
And God says, no, 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 no. Trust me. Go all in. Obey my commands. Obey my ways. And then finally, now this is, this is you, you, you all know, some of you may be here and we've been in. I don't actually know if we've been in the uh, shallow part of the pool today. We did kind of cannonball into the deep end, everybody. <laughs> but let's just go a little deeper, all right? Let me use some language of my brother Paul, the apostle. Rebelling from self-reliance, rebelling from tomorrow's worries, rebelling from an orphan spirit. Orphan spirit. You have a father, and he's good. Don't get caught up on the father masculine. Get caught up on the goodness of God who loves you, protects you, provides for you, and he moves the mountains ahead of you. But that orphan spirit will come knocking if we're not careful. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You know, a fun way to think about this is you get a line of 20 of us up here, and come on, you ever remember the yard games in, in kids' school, elementary school? Like, let's play some basketball. All right, everybody. You get lined up. You're hoping you get picked until <laughs> it finds out you can't play basketball and everybody knows it. What? You get picked, what? Last. Or worse than getting picked last, you a sub. They done put you on the bench, somebody. Can I tell you, God lines us up. I want you to see this in your mind. He's not looking at anybody else right now. He's looking at you. And the Father's there. And uh, the Holy Spirit's there. And you know the Holy Spirit's smiling. He, Holy Spirit's got on a tie-dye shirt. Like he never got over the 70s for some reason. He is excited. He has had too much coffee. And then you got Jesus there. And I think sometimes I picture Jesus and he's, he's just, hmm, smooth, calculated. Because you know Jesus, he don't put a word wrong. And uh, they're all kind of thinking about it, contemplating it. And you're there wishing, hoping. You got all your regret, all your fears, all your brokenness. But he comes for you. You're the apple of his eye. You're the one. He's like, I can't shake them. I can't get them off my mind. He comes alongside. And uh, he says, come. Follow me. Come. Live with us. Let us make our home inside of you. Let us ease the burdens you've been carrying. Man, let us find a place for you to lay down and rest. You got that fear of abandonment. You got that fear of panic. You got that, ah, I don't know. And God's like, hey, let's come spend some time together. Let's, let's see. Come on. We love you, and we're going to lead you through it. That's the faithfulness of God. And it's a direct assault on that orphan spirit that says you're never going to make it. 
You're not worth it. Your family gave up on you, and we're giving up on you too. That's what the orphan spirit said. And Jesus says, come along. Listen, come along. Follow me. Come along. Trust me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My mercy is deep upon deep. And I've paid the price that you might have this life. And we're pretty pumped about that at Hillside. And that offer is extended to you today. And I want to encourage you. We, I'm about to crash this plane. We done. I want to invite you. If it's been a while, you've heard the message a long time. Maybe you've been coming many, many times. Can I just encourage you? Go all in. Trust God. Give him your life. Give him your all. And let him do miracles with where you are and with what you have. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your deep love for us. Father, thank you for the freedom that is found in your words. Give us today our daily bread. I thank you for easing our anxieties and fears this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you came for us, that you came running towards us, that we may not have to live as orphans or outcasts, but we can live as the beloved child of God. And I speak that over all of us today, God. And I just want to invite anyone sitting here today, anyone under the sound of my voice, you're ready to come home to the Lord, would you say this with me? God, I need you. God, I need you. I've been living in my own strength, living according to my own plans, and doing things my own way. And I ask that you forgive me of that, God. I need you to be my Lord and Savior, Jesus. I repent and I ask forgiveness for every sin. And I thank you for your mercy, forgiving me for filling me with your Holy Spirit and giving me life eternal in the future and here now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we celebrate the Lord, not the message this morning? Can we just thank him for his goodness, his kindness? Amen.